Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to the Showing Up to Your Life podcast and YouTube channel. My name is Art Burns, and I have a feeling that you're suspecting that I'm pretty excited today, and I'm here to confirm those suspicions. I am super excited today. It's a gorgeous, beautiful late spring morning out here in Denver, Colorado. I hope it's beautiful wherever you are, but if, you know, if it's not, you know, you, you absolutely know by now, listening to me every day, you know that the weather is impermanent and it's going to change and, you know, beautiful days are on the horizon, no matter where you are and what's going on, right? And so, and that's of course something that we can say about everything, not just the weather, right? We can say that about our emotions that we might be experiencing. We, we can say that about physical ailments or, or difficulties that we're going through. You know, I mean, sure, there are some conditions that are, you know, permanent or, or terminal, and I don't mean to discredit or discount anybody who's going through something like that, right? But, but most of the things that we feel, you know, they are very, very impermanent. They are constantly changing, and, and so, you know, the ability to see that change is something that, that helps us to sort of cope with some of the challenges that our emotions or our physical ailments or sensations or, or difficulties or, you know, overeating, undereating, oversleeping, undersleeping, all that kind of stuff. You know, the difficulties that those things can, can present to us, right, are often very, you know, they're, they're, you know, we often make them bigger than they need to be, right? Because we're clinging to them because we're, or, or we're being aversive towards them, right? But, but the, the reality is that, that if we allow ourselves to just be still and, and, and let the things around us change, then the things around us will indeed change. And we don't have to cling or, or be aversive. And, and in that clinging and the aversiveness is, is where the suffering lies, Right. And so and so so it's the the ability to see this and the ability to to, you know, to kind of connect these dots is is very, very key to the ability to live life on your terms. Right. That's what this is all about. This is about living life on our own terms, not on the terms of our emotions, not on the terms of the circumstances in our lives, not on the terms of, you know, how tired or, or energetic we are in any given day. Right. Like these are the things that do not have to dictate the terms of our lives. Right. But so often we, we allow them to dictate the terms of our lives. And we, we're doing that just by simply relinquishing control. We're just giving up, surrendering. Now, of course, surrender in a lot of ways is, is, a, is a positive thing. Right. But but in the in the sense of, you know, sometimes when we're when we're just, you know, kind of allowing ourselves to just, you know, go with the, you know, kind of be at the mercy of our emotions and our uh, the circumstances in our lives. And we get this feeling like it's less about flow and it's more about like bouncing around or, or like kind of, you know, almost like, a like when you, you're at the beach when you're a little kid, right? If you've ever been to the ocean when you're a little kid, one of those big waves comes and knocks you over and you're tumbling around. You have no idea which way is even up. There's a moment there where you're so disoriented, right? And you have no idea where, you know, there's no gravity, there's no bearing, there's nothing. You're completely lost, right? If you've ever experienced that, well, that can serve as, as a pretty accurate metaphor for some for the way that we live sometimes in terms of of our emotions and the circumstances of our lives, right? We let these things kind of, you know, dictate the terms for us and we and we just allow ourselves to be tossed around by these things a lot, right? And so this brings us to today's topic. Okay. Last week, um, I think it might have been last Friday actually, I talked about understanding. 
right? And understanding is, of course, it's a huge word. I mean, you know, I mean, a, a broad, you know, it's got a broad definition, right? I mean, understanding is a huge, you know, big, big, big thing, right? Um, and there's lots of ways to kind of approach understanding. And and as will happen from time to time in this particular podcast, you know, uh, I had started out wanting to talk about one thing, and I wound up talking about another thing. And, uh, you know, that happens, right? I get started, and, and one thing leads to another, and next thing you know, 30 minutes have gone by, and, you know, I talked about something really interesting and hopefully valuable for everyone, but it wasn't what I set out to talk about. So today, I would like to remedy that, and I would like to talk about what I was going to talk about last week, which was and is still about understanding, Okay, however, it's on a sort of different level of, or, or a different type of understanding, or maybe understanding directed in a different direction. Maybe that's, that's more the way to, to look at it, right? Or aimed in a different direction, right? And so, so what I mean is that, well, first of all, last week we talked about understanding in terms of sort of an empathy, right? To understand the people around us, to understand the circumstances around us, to understand our, you know, understand our relationship to things a little bit, right? And, and you know, but, but really in terms of, a, of an outer kind of thing, right? And so, and that's very important, Right, obviously. I mean, you know, as I talked about last week, you know, I used the metaphor of the lettuce, right? Which I love that that metaphor from uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, right? Is that, you know, when the, in case you missed it, you know, <clears throat> when a, when we plant lettuce or plant any plant, you know, <laughs> flower or whatever, and the, and the plant doesn't grow, you know, we don't, you know, we don't yell at the plant, right? We don't we don't get disgusted at the plant. We don't we don't you know. Well, at least I mean, sometimes I used to, <laughs> you know, that's for sure. But but it's very illogical to to wring our hands. And, and yell at the plant, right? That's not going to make it grow any better, right? And of course, the same thing could be said for our children and all that. That's up a different topic, different day, right? Um, but but we don't, you know, we don't blame the lettuce for not growing. What we do is we un- we try to understand why the lettuce is not growing. Okay, we try to understand what is it lacking, what does it need in order to be healthy and to prosper. Right. And so so that kind of understanding is what we talked about last week. Right. But today I want to talk about the kind of understanding that is completely internal. Right. And and possibly perhaps way more valuable and way more impactful than the other kind of uh, understanding that I talked about the other day. And what I mean by this is that we can, you know, through the practices that I talk about here in this podcast, right, through meditation and informal practices, even practices of compassion and self-compassion and loving kindness, right, all of these practices, right, they're, they're geared to do a couple of really important things, right? And then, I mean, again, it's just like understanding, right? It's a broad, broad subject, right? Like, you know, meditation, I mean, I, you know, there's, hundreds of books, thousands of books probably written about the benefits and the, the you know, the, the, uh, the mechanism of meditation and all that, right? So, so that's not something that we're just going to say, oh, it's this, right? It's, it's you know, it's, it's so broad, right? Same thing with compassion, same thing with self-compassion, same thing with loving kindness, th- same thing with, you know, the ability to pause, you know, all of these things, right? They're, they're, they're all a very, you know, again, the, the, the influence and the impact that these, these practices have on us are vast and broad, okay? But I'm going to take a little narrow view 
of these for a moment. Okay, today for maybe about 20 minutes, actually, not a moment, but, but for some time today, we're going to spend talking about a, a sort of narrow view of this kind of understanding and, 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 the, and how these practices, you know, in a very narrow way, you know, what these practices do, because it's a specific thing that I want to talk about, which is the understanding of our mind, really. Right. But because, well, first of all, let's talk about what the mind is. Right. And, and it's not an easy question to answer, by the way. Um, you know, the, it's been said that uh, I've heard this from no less than I'd say four or five teachers of mine. Right. Who have said that this very line and I don't know if they all got it from each other or what, but but they've all said some variation of this line that the person who who accurately and and, you know, um, co comprehensively defines the mind will win the Nobel Peace Prize, right? Like, there's, like, that's what, like, five of my teachers have said that, right? So the point is that there's no, you know, accepted standard definition of what the mind even is, right? So, so let's talk about what we believe the mind to be or, or, or one aspect of what the mind is, right? The, the mind is something that we can think of it, like the way that I, you know, I, you all hear me talk about Dr. Dan Siegel, right? And so I, I kind of, um, I subscribe to his definition of the mind, right? Which, which is that he calls the mind a process, right? It's a means by which we process, you know, information and energy, right? And that's information coming from outside, and it's energy coming from within inside, and that the mind is the thing, according to Dr. Siegel. And again, this is just part of his definition, too. I mean, it's, it's very, very complex, right? But according to Dr. Siegel, this process, right, the way that we, we interpret and, and, and process the, the external stimuli within ourselves, and the way that we process the stuff that's, that's arising from inside of us, right, which Dr. Siegel will call the sixth and seventh and I think eighth senses, right, of, of various things that we can know about what's going on inside of us, right? We'll review that maybe in another episode, perhaps next week. But the point that I want to make here, right, is that the mind, it's not just about the thoughts, right? It's not just a brain, right? The brain is different from the mind, right? The brain is where thoughts happen. And thoughts are simply a, uh, 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 an electrochemical uh, uh, coupling of, of, of brain cells, right? And you have billions, like 40 billion brain cells, I think you have in your, in your brain, right? And, and so, so the thoughts are just when two of those, two of the 40 billion cells decide to talk to one another. That's what a thought is, right? And that's all a thought is. It's nothing more than that, right? Of course, we make much more of it, and that's what I'm about to talk about, right? So, so that's, that's what the brain is doing, right? And that's where the thoughts are existing. Now, emotions, <clears throat> right? Emotions are a little bit, you know, a little, they're obviously different from thoughts, but, but and again, I'm simplifying everything, of course, right? Um, but, but the emotions, right, also start in the brain, right? They are also a chemical, electro, um, you know, action that happens in the brain, right? But the emotions then, you know, through the nervous system, they, they manifest in our bodies too, right? And so that is also part of the mind. And so is the physical sensations that we have that are a result of the emotions are also part of the mind, 
right? And then there's a last kind of part of the mind, something that we call, the. this is part of what we call the four pillars of mindfulness, right? Which is really just the four ways in which we can pay attention to our mind, which means that these are the four ways that our mind kind of operates, right? And so this fourth pillar is the kind of tendencies and the kind of patterns and the kind of programming that we have, right? I talk about this a lot, that when we're very, very young children, before the age of seven or so, um, we're programming ourselves, right? Or, or we're being programmed by those around us is more accurate to say, right? And what that means is that as we're experiencing our life as these very young human individuals, right as we're we're experiencing our life we're we're soaking in what we see around us right and that becomes our programming that becomes our moral compass that becomes our um you know our ambition that becomes our ideals that becomes our um our integrity that becomes everything for us right and what it is is we're watching you know people interact with each other right we're watching the people who we look up to how do they treat other people okay that's the way i'm supposed to treat other people right now this doesn't happen consciously right when you're 3 years old you're not able to even think through this. You don't even have the, the brain development to even conceptualize any of this, right? But yet you are programming, you are being programmed in this way, right? Passively, right? And so, <clears throat> and, and subconsciously, if you will, right? And so the mind really does include all four of those aspects, right? Now, those four things are really about how we experience the world in a sense, but it's, but that's what the mind is, right? The mind is, is, is the mechanism of all of that, right? And so, so one of the wonderful things that happens as you, as you do these practices, right? I'll tell you the result first, and then I'll tell you how we get there, okay? Just so you kind of understand, right? Because that's what I'm talking about here, right? That, that mindfulness practices, what they allow us to do, and when I say mindfulness practices, I'm including pausing, I'm including um, formal meditation, informal practices, compassion practices, self-compassion practices, loving kindness practices. I'm, I'm including all of that when I say mindfulness practices, okay? And so when we do these practices, right, when we practice meditation, when we practice, you know, um, uh, informally paying attention to what it is we're doing at any given time, right, like brushing our teeth, driving our car, walking, talking, all of that, right, when we when we um, when we practice compassion for others and ourselves, and when we when we cultivate a kind intention for all of those around us and for ourselves, right? What happens is we we sort of you know the the end result is that we we are we we get a glimpse and and a view into this working, right? We, we get a, a view into how all four of these things kind of connect to each other and how all four of these, the, the four things I'm talking about are the pillars of mindfulness that I mentioned before, right? Which is the the thoughts, the emotions, the sensations, and the programming, right? Like we, we start to see how all four of these things are very much intertwined with each other and that the thoughts are not separate from the emotions, nor are the physical sensations of my body separate from either of these and nor are any of these divorced from that programming of my self, right? Of, of who I am, right? 
you know, so 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 really the the end result of this and as we you know the the end result I'm sorry I said I was going to give you the result first and then tell you how we got there so let me stick with that the result of all this is a deeper understanding of how all of this works right and and not only how it works right because it's it's very easy and I say this all the time right that that we talk about like you know riding a bike I always use the riding the bike uh, scenario right if if I could I could write you a thousand page book about riding a bike and I could describe every aspect that you would possibly need to know to understand how to ride a bike. But that doesn't mean that you can ride a bike, right? That doesn't mean that you go and you go out into the garage and get on my bicycle and you're cruising, right? It doesn't mean that at all. In fact, it's it's quite the opposite of that, right? Just in spite of all of the, you know, you know, comprehensive and exhaustive information that I could give you about how to ride a bike, in spite of all of that, when you first get on the bike, you're going to wobble and, and, and probably fall down and, and look like a, you know, like you've never heard of a bike before, right? Because there's a difference between under, you know, knowing, uh, learning something and understanding in a thinking way and understanding in an embodied way, understanding through experience, right? And so, so what that means then, right, is that, you know, when we, when we cultivate this, this level of awareness through the practices of meditation, informal practice, uh, loving kindness, uh, compassion, self-compassion, and just simply pausing from time to time and allowing ourselves to just be present, right, as we do this, what we start to see is we start to see how none of these things stand on their own, right? We start to see how, you know, it's my programming that creates my thought, that creates my, my emotion, that creates the sensation in my body that, that loops back around into my programming and, and creates a cycle, right? You know, now it's very easy for me to explain that to you. And I've explained that here many, many times, probably a hundred times I've, I've explained, the, if not more, I've explained this concept of this cycle of the, and let's leave that fourth pillar out because that gets a little confusing when we talk in this terms, but, but the cycle can even just be seen as the three, right? The thoughts, the emotions, the sensations, right? Or as my wonderful client calls it, set, sensations, emotions, thoughts, right? That's how she does, she, she does her set practice, right? <laughs> I love that. Okay, but I, I've explained it many times and I can explain it many more, right? But just like the bicycle, you're not going to really understand it fully until you experience it, right? And, and to experience that and to gain that understanding of how each of these things is impacting each other, right? And, and, and the understanding of, well, anyway, let me finish my thought. When we can see how each of these things impacts each other, that is a deeper understanding of why we do the things we do, of why that thing bothers me, but that thing doesn't, or why it bothers me, but it doesn't bother this person. We, we understand these things, right? And this is the understanding that I wanted to talk about last week. Now, the understanding that we did talk about last week is very important too, right? So it's not anything lost or anything. But this understanding is particularly important when it comes to what we call emotional intelligence, right? And, and, and furthermore, it becomes very important when we talk about how we talk to ourselves, 
right? Now, you're going to hear me talk about this a lot, right? Because, you know, as I said in the last couple of weeks with the Anger Transformed webinar and and and, and course that I'm, I'm going through, um, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's about redefining our relationship or, or re- reforming our relationship to our emotions, right? And this understanding is the key to the ability to reform that understanding and that relationship that we have to our, our emotions, right? And then, right, and it's really when we say the relationship we have to the emotions, we're really talking about the relationship we have to ourselves, right? Because the emotions are just the way that our body kind of interprets the world around us, right? It's, it's you know, our emotions are there to to keep us safe from the things that we feel are dangerous and to, and to you know, pr- you know, kind of encourage us towards those things that we feel are safe and, and, and you know, and, and enriching, right? The things we love, right? And so, so in, in a very deep way, you know, emotions are, you know, again, the way that we kind of, you know, process the world around us, right? And, and internally too, of course, right? And so again, when we can, you know, cultivate this this deeper sense of awareness, we can get to a deeper sense of understanding about how all of this works. And then we can start to see how the self-talk that we are all doing all the time, right? It's not just you, okay? I used to think that I was the only one who talked to myself the way that I do, right? And I don't mean talking to myself like, you know, talking out loud. I do that sometimes too, by the way. It's, apparently, it's a sign of intelligence. <laughs> but, but, the, uh, but, but what I'm talking about is that internal dialogue, Right. I used to think that that the that my internal dialogue was like I was the only person who could have this kind of oh my gosh. Like if anybody could come here and listen to this internal dialogue, they would run for the hills, right? And I used to think I was the only one. But now I know that I'm not. And I want to tell you that you're not either. Okay. In fact, we all do this. Right. And, and there's there's lots of science behind the the uh, this notion that, you know, it's somewhere like 95 percent of, of or 85 to 95 percent of, of society has a has a self dialogue that is deprecating, that is that is harsh, that is mean, that is driving, that is, you know, tough, right? Tough self-talk. Right. There's a, an abundant and unambiguous research that shows that that's not the answer, right? That, that when we're beating ourselves up like that, when we're, when we're holding ourselves accountable to a higher level than we would hold others accountable to, right? When we're, when we're doing these things, we're doing them with the, uh, the belief that, that it's going to help, right? That, that if, I'm, if I'm harder on myself, I'll do better in my life. You know, if I'm, if I'm you know, if I'm, you know, too forgiving for myself, I'll become too soft and I won't accomplish things in my life, right? So once we start to see how the emotions and the thoughts and the sensations of our body and that programming that we all experienced and we all went through from age one to seven years old, right? Once we understand that, we understand the impact that our self-talk can have, Right. We, we understand that that, you know, and, and when I say understand, I mean, understanding on a on a feeling level. 
right? Because again, I could tell, I mean, you know, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, you know, great books, uh, aware, great book, um, altered traits, great book written by world-class scientists, right? It's there for the understanding, this kind of understanding. But until you do the practice, until you see like, wait a second, wow, I see how that thought just created that emotion. And then I can see the cycle. It's like seeing the matrix, right? Remember that movie, right? When, when Neo could see the matrix, he became omnipotent. He just became completely, you know, like a superpower, right? There was nothing he couldn't do because he understood how it all worked, and the same thing is true for you and for me. And we can, when we, when we deep, when we dig deeply into this, this body, this mind, this, this heart, this, this, all of this, when we dig deep, we start to see and we start to come to an understanding. And then once we can see that, like seeing the matrix, right, then we know that, that, that the thoughts, right, that the self-talk is just a part of our thoughts, right? That, that the way that we talk to ourselves is those neurons just firing together, right? And so, and so once we know that, that if we're speaking to ourselves in a negative and, and hard and, 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 you know, kind of mean way, we know that that's going to produce a certain emotion, likely shame or guilt or, or fear of some sort, which then is going to produce a negative, an uncomfortable sensation in our body, which feels very familiar because of our programming. And then it's going to create another thought, another part of another uh, piece of self-dialogue that's going to create another emotion, another sensation, part of the programming. Boom, 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 boom. It keeps going, 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 going. And that can go on for years, right? That process can happen for an entire lifetime, right? It's where... Uh, I think it was Plato who said, uh, an unexamined life is not worth living, right? That's what he meant, right? That when we don't examine what's going on, and again, it's amazing that these people, Plato, Buddha, um, you know, Lao Tzu, all these people <laughs> were talking about this stuff thousands of years ago before an MRI was even a dream, <laughs> right? But yet here we are, and we're confirming this with modern science every single day, right? But, but the, anyway, I don't mean to digress there, but, but the point is that what Plato was talking about there, and I think it was Plato, if not Socrates, I'm really sorry, I'm not really sharp on my <laughs> Greek uh, philosophers, but, um, but, but what they are talking about, right, is that when we can examine the life that we're living, when the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree and, and, and sat there until he attained enlightenment, right? He didn't go anywhere and do anything. He didn't take anything. He didn't put anything on. He didn't, he didn't read anything. He didn't. He just looked inside, right? He just came to an understanding of how it all works because once we understand it, now we can see the root of our suffering. And that's the key. Because once you can see the root of your suffering, now you can control it. And now you can, you can rise above your suffering. You can put an end to your suffering. And, and in the absence of your suffering, you can thrive in all the areas of your life. 
So we got to be careful the way we talk to ourselves. Okay, but again, it's not it's not something you can just say like, okay, I'll 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 talk to myself nicer now. You know, it doesn't work that way, right? Because the the thoughts, you know, that's just a thought, right? And so you can't like fix the system from within the system, right? Or as Einstein said, you can't, you know, solve a problem using the same thinking that got you into the problem, right? So that's where it becomes about like the Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree for days and just until he understood so clearly what was happening inside of him. You know, they call it enlightenment. I call it understanding, quite frankly. <laughs> so there you go. I just created a new uh, artism there. <laughs> Not really. Um, but, but that's the point, right, is that it's, it's all here. And it's, it's just about understanding it. And that's what I help people to do. Okay, I help people to understand and, and to, to feel it, you know, understand it on a on a visceral level, right? So that viscerally we can we can feel the self-talk and we can understand how that self-talk is either serving us or holding us back and, and, and causing us to suffer. So if you'd like to learn more about this, if you want to learn how to how to change your inner dialogue, it's super easy. It really is. And it only takes a few weeks, I swear. I swear this is not a lifelong endeavor. It's a few weeks. And I can help you. I can show you how to do it. 12 weeks. Give me 12 weeks and we'll get you wrapped up. I promise. You want you you, you want to challenge me on that? <laughs> go for it. There's a link in the in the description with a uh, 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 which goes to my calendar. Okay, you click the link, pick a day. You know the, the you know when you click on a day, it shows you all the available times that that I have free. Whatever works for you, find one, click on it, enter your like name, your phone number, your email address, and just for reminders and stuff, click the save button. You'll get some reminders about when the call is. You just got to show up when it's time and I'll take it from there. And I promise you that, you know, that's the first session. And if you and if you take that first step, you want to take another step. I tell you within 11 more sessions after that, I can get you straightened out and sorted out. No problem. <laughs> I've done it many, many times and I'd be happy to do it for you. So take me up on it. It's a totally free call. It costs absolutely nothing. The exchange there is an exchange, right? The exchange is that I get to practice my craft, right? Because the more people I talk to, the more practice I get, the better I am at it, right? Just like practicing anything, it's a skill, right? But I also get to help, and that means something to me. It really does. It's, it's bigger than the money. It's bigger than the bills. It's bigger than all that, right, that I get to help people. And so give me a shot. Let's see how it goes. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I wish you well. I'll be back in tomorrow. Tomorrow's Saturday, but I'm doing an episode. This week, we're doing this shift. Uh, we're, we're working from, we're working from, uh, on the podcast, I just pointed myself. Like, I don't know what your schedule is, but I am working from Wednesday to Sundays from now on, okay? Mondays and Tuesdays are my days off. I'm going to spend with my family, uh, mostly with my kids, because my wife has to work those two days, but hey, we do what we can, you know? Um, so that's what it is, folks. Uh, so I'll be back in tomorrow. Tomorrow to talk about, um, I think we had kind of a fun topic tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we're going to, ooh, yes, I, I'm going to leave you with the, the little title. A peaceful mind is a powerful mind. Tune in tomorrow to see what that all means. Have a great day, everybody. I wish you well. Take care.